First time I've run for office, I'm already ahead of you by 12 points in the polls. The Mulligans have run the 18th Ward for 60 years. My grandfather, my father, these days it's all about name recognition. And you want to go against me? You don't inherit a ward, Jack. You run for it. You have much experience in government? I live here. So do I. No, no, no. You, um, own a house one block into the ward? A house people might actually want to live in. It's a smart idea. Running headquarters from a church. I mean, it's illegal. There's that whole church and state thing. More illegal than nepotism? No, nepotism isn't illegal. It's actually celebrated this in Chicago. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 121 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we're discussing 2018's Widows as our final uh, movie based around wealth. Um, Thomas, this was your pick. Um, Why did you... Well, let's start by reading the synopsis, I guess. (laughs) Sure. Widows, 2018, directed by Steve McQueen. Four women with nothing in common except the debt left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. So why did you choose Widows for this theme? So I chose Widows because I'm a Steve McQueen fan. I think he's great. Um, I know some people like aren't quite able to stomach a movie like 12 Years a Slave, but it's fantastic. That movie is great. Um, so is Shame. Uh, I haven't seen Hunger. I've heard good things, but he's just a solid filmmaker. Like not a lot of movies, but each one has been like very good, high prestige actors, everything. Um, and so I was looking forward to this. I just didn't quite get around to seeing it when it came out. I guess, yeah, 2018 probably was a busy, busy year for movies. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, I feel like this one kind of flew under the radar for me a little bit. It took me a while to get around to seeing it, but I think it's appropriate to include it in on the conversation here. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I was curious to see like a heist movie like of this caliber with like such a big ensemble cast of actors I love. It's got Viola Davis, um, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, it's just it's stacked. This movie has like a lot of talent in it, and yeah, it's just like a, a straight heist movie, which we don't quite get very often. So I thought it was interesting, um, and yeah, I did enjoy watching it. And I think it does fit with it, the theme well. What did you think of watching it? Um, it's like, I feel, I get, I think I'm kind of mixed on it because I feel like right out of the gate, it's very compelling. Um, it starts off feeling a bit more like a thriller than where it develops. It, it feels like it starts off as a thrill and then it sort of develops more into a drama, a little bit of melodrama. Yeah. Uh, and then it ends once again with like this spike of, uh, action. Um, and I don't know. So yeah, we do get these like bursts of, of uh yeah violence and action and tension but it's not really a movie where i'm feeling tense all the way through it um yeah or like you know it's not like a hardcore suspense or anything like that so it was i think it was a little hard for me to adjust to as it went on gotcha. um i think it's a very like well-crafted movie and it's got these pretty like <laughs> very strong performances very strong cast um but yeah i think 
it's a movie that I wish I would have seen in the theaters because I don't think watching it at home did it any favor, especially watching it as I did, which is on freebie. (laughs) (laughs) With with, uh, commercials. (laughs) Yeah, with commercials. That was the only place I could find it streaming. Gotcha. Uh, And yeah, it just breaking up the action like that it did not do this movie justice yeah, yeah uh, sometimes that'll happen i'll yeah watch something on yeah tubi or whatever i'm like oh i'm getting some breaks in the momentum yeah slowing down also i will say another selling point of this movie that i liked it's like uh all female like heist movie which we don't really get mm-hmm. quite a bit there was oceans eight which did come out a little bit around this time but i, I feel like this being like so it looked so cool i felt like it, it kind of made oceans eight feel unnecessary or kind of like oh that's like a silly we've already done three movies in that world with that yeah. tone why do we need to have like an all-female remake let's just have like just bring in viola davis bring in michelle rodriguez and have them do the fucking real thing and i feel like that was a good selling point but i do think i agree with you somewhat that i think it kind of crumbles under the weight of its own melodrama a little bit where i feel like we could use a scene where they're just like kicking the shit and having a beer but we don't really get that there's not like any like fun release the steam moments in this movie and i think yeah. it kind of that kind of makes it more of like a bummer <laughs> to get i through. think that and i think that's intentional though because of the way this movie ends uh yeah. like the very very ending of this movie um which like should we just say we're spoiling this movie? It's not really a spoiler to say what happens at the end. At the end, um, Viola Davis's character Veronica, uh, she encounters Elizabeth. The, I guess it's a kind of a spoiler that Elizabeth the Becky's there. Yeah. Um, Alice, and they just kind of like run into each other at a cafe, like, and they don't really acknowledge. They like notice each other, but they're not really acknowledging each other. And then yeah. eventually, um, Veronica leaves the cafe and then asks. Alice in the street, like, what does she ask her, like, how she's doing or yeah, something yeah. like that? Like, like, how's it going? Yeah. Yeah. And she has this, like, look on her face, like, there's this sense of relief and there's this sense of, like, compassion, empathy, like, willing to acknowledge the other person as a person. Yeah. Because so much of this movie is just people using each other and, like, yeah, uh, yeah. playing each other and, uh, there is no just human connection. Like even um, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Linda, she has this um, uh, babysitter name. I think her name's Belle. Bella? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it feels like there's room there for this human acknowledgement, but she kind of just like brings Belle into the heist and yeah, then it's yeah. just kind of business. Um, it's uh, it's this every interaction in this movie is very transactional, very business oriented. It feels like yes, um, yeah, even to the point where it's kind of uh, spoken on on the nose a little bit when we have the conversation between uh, Alice, uh, the character Alice, and the like the sugar daddy she's sort of like seeing, and he's basically like, oh, hey, yeah. he's like, this is like, you know, I order drinks, and at the end, there's going to be a receipt. That's how I see the world, and I, yeah, it's yeah, very bluntly stating like, yep, yeah, like this is a transaction to me. Absolutely, one hundred percent, like. Yeah perfect like summation of what's happening in this movie yeah um so yeah i think uh yeah it's definitely intentional that like this movie wants to explore that contrast i think and it wants to have the resolution feel like okay now there's time (laughs) like like these women haven't had time um yeah i don't know 
Yeah, like, I, like, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm into that. I'm totally into that. And yeah, I think it's cool that at the end of this, we sort of get this feeling that like one character, the character Belle, does sort of make her escape with the money. And it's even spoken within the group. They're like, when this is over, we can't talk to each other. We go our separate ways. You just, you fucking just leave. But it's very clear that they actually all stay in Chicago and they all sort of, yeah. they try to keep their lives. I thought that was actually really yeah. cool. Cause I'm like, yeah, like they're not trying to run away. They're trying to just like, get wealth and sort of rebuild what they have and be more solidified. So let's, let's work, let's walk through these characters and say like, okay, what are their circumstances and what are they trying to achieve? Like we can start with Veronica, Viola Davis's character. Yeah. So the Um, main sort of thing at the center of this movie is Veronica is dating uh, Liam Neeson's character's name is Harry and Harry is an organized crime person. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. That's like his main thing. And the movie opens up on just like a really cool contrast between a heist just like falling apart and very much like uh, reminiscent of uh, Reservoir Dogs where we, we just it's see so like... so well done. Yeah, just like the end of this so heist. Cool. Yeah, it's like Jean Bernthal's bleeding out. Like they're getting chased by multiple cops and there's like tracking shots from the back of this van and it's mm-hmm. just... We, that chaos the versus like... The doors falling off. Yeah, yeah, versus like, oh, here's Michelle Rodriguez with her daughter at a quinceanera. Like, oh, so it's like really yeah. nice. They're just cutting back and forth. And yeah, then the heist just uh, continues to crumble to the point where the entire... The shootout leads to the whole crew getting wiped out and then yeah veronica has sort of step up in the wake of her husband's death and uh, then she discovers she's in debt from his actions and then sort of inherits his world of crime and sort of embraces and steps into it yeah so it's like she is forced into this situation uh because like okay so what happens if she if she doesn't pay off this debt like are they going to go to... Yeah, yeah. What happens here? I, I'm struggling to remember. Are they just going to kill her? <laughs> like, well, uh, or are well, they going to go to collections or something? I think the way that they line it out is uh, Brian Tyree Henry, his character, Jamal Manning, he's running for mayor for a, mm-hmm. or like representing a district or, or I think it's Alderman, I think. He's running for a district and he like had some money that like, you know, like $2 million or like dollars, $3 million or something that was supposed to be his for his funding that was like like stolen money for his funding. It gets a little more complicated than that. But yes, it was not received. And because it was not received, he's not going to have the funding he needs to to basically win the election. And that is like his entire like life is winning that. Because I think it's really cool that like this movie is, so, is less concerned with the heist. It's more, is kind of more concerned with this question of like who deserves to run Chicago? Like these politicians who are sort of, nepo baby sort of grandfathered into this or like the struggling black middle class lower class like trying to win this election through means of gangster activity yeah crime yes Uh, yeah but then we we figure out that the uh the dude who is sort of like part of this um hierarchy or like this uh legacy uh he's also involved in crime (laughs) like he was employing liam neeson uh yeah and so, so yeah, so they're all crooks. Yeah, it's like that stuff is all fine and dandy. I think that stuff is all working pretty well. But I think, yeah, the movie's more focused on kind of these lines that get drawn and like how no matter how much money you have, there's still going to be this conflict. Like the, the essentially, as we are told through a series of flashbacks, is Veronica and Harry's son was killed unjustly in a police pull, uh, yeah. a police stop. And sort of, and that murder and that death of their son is like this. This 
separation that is unfixable. Like after that, it's yeah. like it, like their relationship cannot be salvaged. And Harry sort of uses that as a means to find his way out and escape. Um, and then yeah, Veronica sort of just kind of stuck dealing with this world, dealing with these politics, and kind of just getting the money to to like secure her safety. So I think that's like just the the gist of it essentially. Yeah. Without getting into like the backstabbings and the twists that sort of happen, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a okay. twist in this movie. <laughs> there is a twist. There's yeah. like a pretty big twist. Yeah. I was surprised that this movie had a twist in it. Um, okay, so what's going on with Linda by Michelle Rodriguez? Uh, she's also it, okay. So it turns out her partner, who was part of this heist gang that Liam Neeson had organized, uh, they own a business together. But he hasn't been actually been paying off, uh, I guess, the mortgage or the rent for the location that this business is at. Yeah. Uh, he's just been gambling it all away and telling her that he's been paying it off. So he doesn't own the building. Uh, and so when he's dead, she just loses her business. She loses her livelihood. Yeah. Um, and, and then we have... Sorry, was there something you want to say? About? No. Um, yeah. Then we just sort of have Belle, who's kind of entirely dependent on her uh, on john bernathal's character like basically just like being abused by this guy and it's just basically just uh, living that's alice right uh yes yeah, sorry oh, not Bell. Yeah. yeah alice yeah alice is like just completely living in the shadow of this overbearing man and so when he dies it's kind of like she's sort of still being clawed by her mom who wants her to just to fall in line with the sugar baby lifestyle and just yeah. to use her body to make money, but also be yeah. conflicted. But now Veronica's like, like, nah, you're a badass girl. Like, here's a gun. <laughs> like, 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 let's, let's fucking set up a heist. And so it's a cool little draw. And I was I, a little worried about the character Alice, but then she definitely turned my, turned around and did some really cool stuff in this movie. I, I feel like she's like the most important character in this, in this heist group because yeah. she gets the guns, she gets the van and she's seeing the dude who is able to decipher the blueprints. So she's like the one who like makes a lot of this shit happen. Yeah, um, I, I feel like her I don't arc... think Linda does anything yeah, <laughs> except I... for recruiting <laughs> Belle. Yeah, yeah, and I think her arc feels the most satisfied. It feels so satisfied. And it's really bad in the moment, but when she slaps Veronica back and she's like, I'm not fucking getting hit anymore. Like, I'm not going to just sit around yeah. and be like, it's, it's like I a little, it. it's a little crass, but I was like, fuck yeah. Like, okay. Like finally, like you're like sort of making this choice. And then the moment at like the, the gun show when she pretends to be a mail order bride to convince yeah. this like. Uh, supposedly right-leaning looking woman to, to buy her like three Glocks. Yeah. So I was like, oh, she's That's fucking brilliant. Herself. She's actually three really Glocks. Yeah. One for every room. Yeah, I absolutely love that scene. That's the kind of stuff I feel like what makes heist movies heist movies is like that pre-heist stuff. Like yeah. getting the van, getting the guns. And it, it, I think you're absolutely right. Like it's kind of focused on her in that, in that regard. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, seeing them play the game, I guess. And like seeing all the little schemes that go along the way. Yeah. Um, and then Belle, she is just, she's a mom. Uh, she works two jobs. She is basically desperate for work. And so it feels like it, it yeah, she's also like an incredibly competent addition to the team. Uh, it's just, she, you know, doesn't really have a gr lot of great job opportunities. It yeah. feels like, it feels like she would excel in any job she's given. It's just, you know. She's stuck doing uh, babysitting work. 
Yeah, she's yeah. like, yeah, they're she, her and her girlfriend. They like are working at this salon essentially, and just like getting into like the politics of like, oh wait, no, Jack Manning like bought this like salon, like you're selling out or whatever. They're having like this like debate. Yeah. I thought the, I, I was into that. Um, what do you think of the whole Jack Mulligan Tom Mulligan relationship? <laughs> so now I gotta <laughs> figure out. Who's who? Uh, so Colin Farrell plays Jack, the the okay. younger son who sort of is less interested in politics. Definitely a nepo baby who does not want to be there. And then we have Robert Duvall as like the curmudgeonly racist Tom Mulligan who, yeah, just ha- I think his role is also kind of interesting because there's a po- there's a point where they're having a conversation and essentially Jack is talking about getting allies or finding ways to get votes or funding or whatever Mm -hmm. and tom is like not down with the pete like him having to collaborate with black people to do that but then it's like this takes place in chicago (laughs) but i think it's really i think it's very fascinating that like his character is unable to like verbalize exactly like why he like there's like a line where he's like you can't do that because of like he just like can't verbalize exactly why he hates black people he just like I thought that was really fascinating because, like, at the end of the day, a lot of it is just, like, unjust bullshit. So, like, if you, like, really press someone, like, there was, like, that clip recently of, like, de- like the, the woman, like, oh, define what you think, like, what is woke to you? And they're like, oh, like, when you actually have oh, to, yeah. when you have to, like, define it, then it's like, oh, then you can't actually do it. So I thought that was pretty appropriate for his character. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, like, I don't know how I feel about any of the sort of, politician stuff in this movie because for me it's not it's it's the less interesting stuff yeah um and i'm not i i guess i haven't uh really you know sat and thought too much about like okay what is this adding thematically um because it is a huge fucking chunk of the movie yeah um, I, I think there's one part where I, I feel like it proves its worth in the movie where we get this shot and i think it's also a great moment where steve mcqueen sort of gets to flex his filmmaker the long take yes the long take yeah. where we have a scene that takes place at uh, we're outside of like a housing project it's like a political moment jack is making a speech about something political has his little photo moment with a bunch of black hairdressers and then he gets in the car with his wife and they start bickering about just like race and politics he like he's, oh, yeah. he's he's pressing her he wants to know if he's if she's ever slept with a black person before yeah, and he, right. she's like why the fuck do you care about that and, but the entire time the camera it's on the hood of the car and i'm like what the what, like what's going on but then through this very short ride and this very long take we see the like we see like the the tax bracket change we see like them go yeah. from this housing project to a couple of blocks away and now we're in mansions and like like it's just i don't know i think it's a really great moment and just it, it really speaks for itself and it's definitely a part of living in this like i see it in oakland i remember yeah, yeah. seeing it in philadelphia when my sister was living there um and it is yeah how does how does someone operate in these two different worlds because i guess the movie itself is operating in these two different worlds with our main cast because uh viola davis's character veronica you know she seems to be surrounded by wealth like her house yeah. is really nice uh, she's got this like fancy dog. <laughs> she has a, a, a pristine white house, a pristine uh, white dog. <laughs> like her son, when her son dies, like he's driving this incredibly fancy car. Yeah, yeah. Um, versus, you know, we have someone like Linda who uh, is like a struggle. It feels a little more like she's like a struggling mom, and like yeah. Belle especially, even more more so. Um, so yeah, I guess yeah, it's trying to reflect the sort of. Uh, I don't know, economic status of our main characters 
like with how these politicians are operating. Uh, it, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's just like scene building or, or establishing the setting a little more. Yeah. But, uh, one yeah. of the best things to come out of that political plot line is uh, Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's like, he's like Anton Shagor. Like, I don't think his, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, I feel like the character's not written as like intensely as Anton Shagor. Like, we don't have like, anything it's, yeah it's definitely a choice <laughs> we don't have the uh the the coin toss scene in this however he's playing him with that intensity this character uh yeah. and like he is just as fucking sinister yeah uh it's i love i love a villain who doesn't have compassion or like <laughs> who uh i don't know i, I agree just, with you, yeah yeah she just feels fucking brutal like yeah, it's a good juxtaposition to Brian Tyree Henry's Jamal. There's this moment because he's huge, he's a big dude, and so there's a moment where he goes into Viola Davis's apartment and just like completely manhandles her dog. And he's like about to like strangle it. That's yeah. like the one time we see him get kind of like aggressive and violent and like use his physicality to kind of threaten. But yeah, Daniel Kaluuya just does so much with just like with like eyes. <laughs> yeah, um, when he's stabbing the guy, yeah, like very in the wheelchair, and like. um the sound of the knife too, a uh, very distinct sound. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I watch movies with like a, a villain and I'm thinking to myself, like, let's say he's got like a gun pointed at someone and someone starts uh, giving their speech, trying to convince them not to shoot, sh not to, you know, shoot him. Yeah. And I'm like, why is the villain listening to this? Just yes. fucking shoot. Like if I really, if you're really evil, yes. if I'm to believe that you're really evil, just fucking shoot the guy. So, and it feels like that's kind of how Daniel Kaluuya is operating. Yes. I, I actually, I agree 100%. And the one, the classic moment to cite is American gangster Denzel Washington uh, against um, Idris Elba inside the street. And Idris Elba's like, what, what are you going to do? Just fucking shoot me? And he just fucking just shoots him right in the head. <laughs> and this is a great moment where it's just like, yeah, like he was yeah, not there. For bad. The, he was not there for the conversation at all and it's such a great yeah. moment um also i absolutely love when i'm watching a movie and i stumble upon a meme that i did not intend to find and that meme being the daniel kaluuya staring down the rapper as he's freestyling for Hell his yeah. life it's <laughs> just like a scene i just it made me love this movie in a way that i didn't think i would love this movie just like he's like yeah do that thing you were just doing in there and just kills him in cold blood also tying into just the brutality of the violence in this movie i'm not familiar with this meme do people just edit different rap songs over it no <laughs> usually it's just a reaction picture and it's just like when uh, someone okay. says something stupid and it's just like the like that okay. look of just like did you really just say that man like like that one also recently the only other time that's happened was with muppets most wanted uh good kermit versus evil kermit oh, when, yeah. I, when i saw that on screen i was like okay i'm happy i watched this movie i feel like i got a little meme education I got to see the origin it feels good when you happen upon it as opposed to like searching for it because searching for that can be dumb because i'm always like i like to sort of know if i laugh at something I'm like, oh like what's the source of this meme but sometimes yeah. that search no, can... <laughs> yeah sometimes that search can just be really bad and take you down a rabbit hole you don't want to go to so it's nice to just like to discover it as it's happening in a movie and you just move on um anything else i feel like there's plenty more we could say i um, love that like the this movie began so like you were just talking about oceans eight um yeah. and like how it's okay we're we're doing it with women this time like it feels like this movie is basically doing that at the start of this movie 
It's it, this movie isn't a sequel to anything else, but it's like here's our here's our dude squad, yeah. and they immediately get killed. Yeah. <laughs> like it is basically doing that same thing without uh, all of I don't know relying on the PR of an IP or something. Yeah, and I think if this movie had maybe a couple of more scenes, like I I swear to God, if this movie had just like a scene or two of them just like drinking beer and shooting the shit and just decompressing a little bit, it would have been a little bit more. I feel like it would have been more of a whole package. I think it's just a slightly too melodramatic for its own good. When we finally get the confrontation between Harry and Veronica at the end, I'm like, Oh shit, we have two of the best actors in the game right now about to have like a showdown end of a heist. And they just like scream at each other and then you get shot. And I was like, it feels a little, disappointing and i feel like for actors of that caliber give them four more minutes give them four more pages of dialogue just give them a little bit more to to like work with well i think it is like okay i'm about to compare this to something stupid (laughs) but um, let's do it i was just talking about gardens of the galaxy the other day with someone okay Uh, we were talking about uh marvel movies and i was saying that i think I think it's the best Marvel movie because one, it doesn't feel like a superhero movie as much. It just kind of feels like a space adventure, but also I think it's an achievement to introduce an ensemble of characters, very well develop them Mm -hmm. in in a sense that like you could take any one of those characters drop in a situation and you kind of know how they're going to react to that situation. Yeah. Um, And also uh, you give them every character has an arc and also (laughs) like, I can point to any two characters and I kind of know how those two characters feel about each other and how they play off of each other. I don't necessarily know that in this movie, I really understand how the different characters feel about each other, how they relate to each other. Like, and I can maybe that, that kind of maybe goes back to what I was saying before. It's like, maybe that's the point. It's like these characters, the relationships are transactional. They're not human relationships. Yeah. We don't get that until the very end. And we don't even get to see what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, we just get a, it, it hinted at that it's going to take place. I'm happy you mentioned that because my one of my favorite lines in this entire movie is a line that actually doesn't get a response to it. Is, and I think it's Belle. It's when they it's revealed that Veronica is was married to Harry. And I think mm-hmm. Belle's like, how did you guys meet? And I like I just thought that line was just fucking huh. perfect because like, yeah. she's like that's what her character is like zoned in on. Like, it's not so much about <laughs> like the heist at place. Just like, how did you yeah. meet him and how she guys ended yeah, together? Yeah, what's your story? Yeah, and so like diving into that, I feel like it, it might be purposely vague and we're more focused on the politics and the machinations between <laughs> these two kind of warring groups um but yeah under that we sort of have like a nice little heist moment uh sorry heist heist movie below that that doesn't dive too much into the campy heist stuff i love the scene where they're filling the backpacks up with soil i mean like like okay this is what it's like with with like extra guys i would love more stuff like that but that's not what this movie is so to see so to speak there's another scene um where alice is with her sugar daddy i guess um and there's a knock at the door and she says, it's my mom. It's not our mom. It's Veronica. Yeah. And it feels like that's where we can have like a really human bonding experience. Um, but now I'm struggling to remember what even happens. In that yeah. Scene. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I yeah. do appreciate that Matt Walsh is in this movie. He plays the, uh, the security a comedian yeah he plays a security uh company owner that gets blackmailed <laughs> oh 
oh my god like i know what scene you're talking I'm about man, that, that cameo lifestyle is unmatched <laughs> okay i don't think i realized that was matt walsh yeah and once he showed up i was like yeah i think that's totally appropriate <laughs> cast like this strange comedian guy guy to be this this bad man who gets blackmailed just think he's sleeping with like a, his cousin <laughs> or something I'm looking up, see if I can see a photo of him. Yeah, but also, yeah, I think I just, I'm a, a sucker for a good ensemble, so I just like when there's a lot of heads in the movie. Yeah. Right, is that everything for, for Widows? I believe so. That might be it for Wealth. Oh. What have you been watching this week? Um, well, it's been a long week. <laughs> it's been um, like two weeks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, something I don't think I mentioned on here that I did watch previously was end of watch have you seen end of watch with jake gyllenhaal yes yes um yeah it's kind of gnarly <laughs> i i did not like i thought it was so bad okay uh like uh it's just it feels like there's some really good moments just trapped in this bad movie like we establish early yeah. on in the movie that jake gyllenhaal so okay so this movie is about cops just like going on patrol yeah and it's, and it's david ayer so david ayer's yeah. a little hit or miss <laughs> um and jake gyllenhaal very early on like gets a video camera and so we're seeing through the video camera like what he's seeing so it feels kind of like a found footage thing and then it's not <laughs> like yeah, yeah. we're also cutting two cameras that aren't motivated um but they're shot with the same sort of handheld like style uh sort of amateurish style so it feels like it wants to it wants to live in both worlds at once and yeah i don't know like the fun of the movie is that like every time they get to a crime scene you're playing this game of like okay what the fuck is going on like what is going on at this house that they've been called to yeah because yeah. something weird's going on and they don't know what it is um and then they slowly realize what's happening and it's always something incredibly extreme <laughs> that would like you know once in uh, you know a hundred officers a thousand officers lives <laughs> careers like will something like this happen yeah um, yeah it's like you're if you're a, a beat cop the odds of you stumbling into some human trafficking i mean yeah. it's possible but also i think i feel like, but like in the backwards. same week as <laughs> yeah. like busting up like all these drugs and like i feel like they wrote backwards they're like all right yeah we're gonna like they definitely are gonna stumble into a house filled with bodies like then let's just build in the rest of the plot before that it's like this should happen to these two guys like all this shit happened <laughs> to these two guys uh what are the other cops saying um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I, it made me wonder, like, how do cops feel watching this movie? They're just like, "Fuck yeah, man! No one respects us out there. <laughs> like, we got yeah. we got such a hard job putting our lives on the line." And um, I don't know. I I hated it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I enjoyed watching it, but I think it might have just struck me because of that that scene I sort of mentioned, where it's like you sort of get hit with just like really grisly image like sort of in that sort of meant to resonate and shock you and sort of carry the weight of the movie because the rest of it is just like day in the of life it, it's, <laughs> it's like, like it's not that yeah, it's much. like it almost feels like um gosh what's like an anthology or something where it's like every one of these little segments uh where they're going to a house <laughs> it's always they're going to a house and then something weird happens they're pulling <laughs> someone over and something weird happens yeah um all those moments are great but then it's trapped in this framing story about like these two guys bonding and how jake gyllenhaal is dating anna kendrick or whatever yeah and um and like that part's fucking weird like 
she stays over at his place and in the morning she finds his camera and she's recording a video where she's playing with his gun and going through his wallet and this is like their early you know relationship it's so um, cute like man if i found a video if i started dating a chick and i found a video of her going through my wallet and playing with my gun I'm like i'm never calling that person again uh that's I'm, insane I'm, I'm wifing her up i'm doing the opposite uh so yeah very weird movie then like i don't know it's just like the melodrama of it develops exactly how you expect it to develop and yeah yeah, I find Jake Gyllenhaal's career very fascinating because, like, yeah, he seems to be drawn to these, like, more macho, tough guy roles. Like, I've been seeing trailers for The Covenant on TV, and have you seen any? I have not, no. So it's a new Guy Ritchie movie. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if it's, like, based off a true story or anything, but it's, like, uh, set in Afghanistan. It's, like, a translator gets left behind, and then Jake Gyllenhaal is like, nah, fuck that, I'm gonna go get him, and like, that's the mm. movie. Um, but yeah, but he's also, what, he's in the new Roadhouse movie with um, Conor McGregor, but he was also in, like, No Way Home. Like, I don't Jarhead. Know. Or, yeah. yeah. Donnie Darko, and stuff like that. Prince Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, his career is, like, naming yeah, his career is absolutely fascinating, and I just watched that uh, for the first time a few weeks ago. Uh, which one? Uh, Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain. I've never seen it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I watched End of Watch. I watched John Wick 4. Ooh. And it fucking ruled. <laughs> I fucking loved it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish I could see it in Dolby. If it comes back to Dolby, then I'm going back to see it because yeah. I absolutely, I fucking loved it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, just like from the very fucking beginning. It's just just him punching <laughs> these like ropes tied around a piece of wood yeah our seats were like, shaking i was like is something wrong <laughs> yeah like the entire knuckles <laughs> the entire then, theater is shaking right now <laughs> yeah and then we just cut to lawrence fishburn just like monologuing <laughs> like a madman uh and it's like fuck yes we're here baby we're yeah. doing it uh john yeah. wick baby yeah seeing that in imax was such a good time um yeah, like the overhead, uh, what's it, Hotline the Miami. The Hotline Miami scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Breathtaking. Just, Which there's just... an interview where uh, the interviewer asked them, like, oh, yeah, have you heard of this game Hotline Miami? It really reminded me of it. And both of them were like, no, I don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> Keanu and the director were like, I don't know what that is. That's but great, um, the director did see this game called... Oh, gosh, I want to say it's called like Hong Kong Massacre or something like that, yeah. which feels like it's taking inspiration from Hotline Miami. Okay. Um, but it's basically, yeah, Hong Kong Massacre, if that is the name, it's basically um, Hotline Miami crossed with Max Payne. Uh, okay. So it's like, it's not pixel art, it's 3D, and your character can like jump in slow mo and like dive and do shots and nice. stuff like that. Very cool. Um, so, yeah, of course they would see that and be like, oh, that seems pretty cool. Yeah. And but, Donnie Yen with the doorbells. Just yeah. applause. Just standing ovation. <laughs> Doesn't get better. Um, I don't know, man. There was just so much cool shit, man. The cars. Yeah. Like the <laughs> on-foot fight amongst a bunch <laughs> of speeding cars, just throwing people into cars. Yeah, the roundabout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Good shit. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Okay. Um, did you see that? I have not. Um, it's fine. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, if you want, a f I, I, watch a, I would watch another one. Like, if they come out yeah. with another one and they're like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, the character's a little more developed and it's 
you know, just a fun adventure. Then yeah. if it gets like comparable reviews, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go see it. Um, because like this one, it's, they do a good job with three of the characters. There's a fourth character, which is a druid, which kind of isn't a character. They're more of just like a, a weapon. They're a shapeshifter. Oh, okay. So they're kind of just using their powers in interesting ways to like solve problems, but they're not really, um, it, it's the, it's the problem of, I don't know necessarily know how this character feels about the other characters. I don't have, I wouldn't be able to drop them in any situation and understand how they feel about the situation. I imagine I know what they would do, which is ship shape shift. Uh, (laughs) That's what they seem to be doing the whole time. Um, But uh, yeah, I also think it has like this problem of introducing, introducing uh, obstacles and then immediately resolving them. So it's like, okay, well, what was the point of introducing that? Like, you could have just trimmed some time down if it, if this didn't really matter. Gotcha. Uh, if it wasn't a meaningful setback or if it wasn't used to develop things in any way. Um, but I feel like some of that, maybe some of that is just, you know, it was written by D&D nerds and <laughs> they want to... like oh, Okay, so there's a character in this movie that... Um, I forget what it's called. I think it's just called a DMC or something like that. But it's like a Dungeon Master character. Um and when you play D&D, that sometimes the dungeon master will create their own character. I, I guess this happens all the time. Hmm, okay. They'll create their own character in the scenario. And uh, the character is there to voice what the problem is. <laughs> like voice what the objective is. Voice yeah. like what has to be done in order to solve it. Um, and there's a character in this movie that is basically doing that. And I guess it's like an inside joke that I didn't get. Okay. I just thought it was like kind of a silly character and a silly performance. Huh, okay. um, but um, I don't know. It's hmm. it, it was fine. And like it is a fun enough world that I would revisit it. So. Okay. But yeah, I think that was done by the guys who did Game Night. And I loved Game Night. Yeah. Game Night's a good time. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Okay, I got some stuff to go through. Um, so Wu-Tang and American Sada, it ended. Mm-hmm. Season finale was last Wednesday. I feel mm-hmm. like it, it ended on a decently high note. Um, yeah, it ended with like a group for performance that I feel like is really solid. Um, just wanted to s- shout out that just because it's over. Um, I have been watching. I have watched most of the first season. Now. Oh, sweet. I, I left off on the episode where RZA is touring. Uh, and gotcha. like it's a bunch of long takes, which is gotcha. Cool. Yeah, that, that's a, a really fun one. And also, I didn't know anything about the whole Prince uh, Hakeem chapter oh, yeah. of his life, which I thought was really funny. Um, so yeah, that's really cool that you're almost to the the formation. You're almost <laughs> Voltron is almost formed. Um, but yeah, season three ended nicely. Um, uh, have you been watching The Mandalorian this season? No, I've seen clips <laughs> on Twitter, and I was like, I don't know if I need to <laughs> keep watching this. Honestly, like, I think it's a good, like, it's very low stakes. I, it's mostly yeah. just, like... It's just something to po- throw on. Yeah, it's a lot of, um, what's what do they call it, like, table setting, essentially, for, like, f- clearly season four is going to be much larger than what's happening here. But I think it's fine. This last episode was just so ridiculous. It gets really kind of campy. They go to a planet where there's... Uh, I want to make sure I describe this correctly. It's, like, run by, like, 
old imperial people who sort of been like uh, rehabilitated or whatever, um, and they're not now they're like royalty. So it's like, it's like a, a royal planet, and the, the king and queen is uh, Jack Black and Lizzo. Uh, which I think is uh, ridiculous casting. It just gets more ridiculous from there as they're sort of hunting down the source of these malfa- uh, these malfunctioning droids. And I just think the episode just gets so silly that I, it's just a good time. Um, there's a, a a droid dive bar that they visit <laughs> where it's just entirely a bunch of droids getting drunk. That I thought was fun. And there's a... Uh, like what's it called? There's like a, a pilot that was entirely submerged inside of a tank. It's weird Star Wars shit like that that I'm I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm okay with this. Uh very low stakes and I, I'm I'm okay with kind of just like going around and just visiting weird characters and weird little guys. Um like People were saying it felt like a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> it's just okay. like here's a bunch of celebrities with Baby Yoda. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's unintentionally like one of the funniest shows. I like right now. It's just if you just smoke a little weed and watch that show, it's just it's so <laughs> okay. ridiculous. It's it, it takes itself so seriously. But like I say, like it's you have Baby Yoda is like a bird character. So like you can't really have conversations with him. Uh, so I've been enjoying watching that season. I give it a light recommendation. Um, this also uh, was what else is on the list? Okay, Abbott Elementary is is getting towards the finale of season two, and it's been very very good. Like the, I feel like the writing has just been like very solid throughout this entire season. They like have done. They've been compared to The Office in some ways, and I feel like they're doing a good job of avoiding some of those pitfalls of getting too deep in the weeds of will they won't they territory between sure. two characters and they're more focusing on just like the the uh the day the ins and outs of like the lives of these teachers and i think that's it's been really great like they've sort of is uh, is a gr- uh, conflict going on between their school possibly being bought by like a charter school and i think that whole arc has been really nice and yeah so this the season two finale is like in the next like week or so and Looking forward to that. Um, been a lot of good TV. Uh, Beef came out on Netflix this oh, yeah. weekend, so I uh, we pushed our episode back, and because of that, I was able to finish that sh- uh, finish that show in the time allotted. How many episodes is it? Uh, it's ten episodes. They're thirty wow. minutes long, which I thought was really nice, and <laughs> I think it's a uh, really well done. Um, it definitely, there's some parts where I thought were not that great, but overall, I think. It's a fantastic show. A24 is, again, doing just killing it, knocking out of the park. And uh, this is a, another great sort of character study on, like, immigrants, Asian-Americans sort of dealing with inherited trauma and inherited, like, lifestyle choices from their immigrant parents. And uh, Stephen Young and Ali Wong are, like, at the center of it. And Stephen Young's performance is just absolutely incredible and he like does a really great job and it takes a lot of strange twists and turns and it just continues to escalate in a way i didn't think was possible and it's definitely worth the watch yeah beef is dope and then as far as movies i watched uh harakiri have you seen harakiri oh, not, no so there's two there's the original from i think 1960 either 2 or 67 and then there's a Takashi uh, Miike remake from 2011. And so the Miike remake is actually available on archive.com. And so I watched like the first the first half of it before I realized I should have been watching a black and white movie. Um, it's not quite shot for shot, but it's pretty close. Um, okay. I'm curious to go back and finish the Miike version because the original like blew me away. And I think personally, 
I think it might be my favorite samurai movie. It, it might even really? it, like, yeah, I just watched Seven Samurai for the first time like two weeks ago, and that, that movie's great. Um, but that movie sort of feels like they're glorifying these men in a way that makes them larger than life. But Harakiri is like, okay, these were men who were sort of following a strict code. These are like kind of like cops, sort of like these samurai. And then once these houses started falling and they became ronin, then they don't have any uh, masters. And they're sort of like these swordsmen without a purpose, like just wandering mm-hmm. the earth. And it's like kind of like this deep tragedy within that. And just like, just the honor in their society is just like kind of like off balance and stuff. It's just a very fascinating sort of dive into that. It's like the first time I watched a movie where I felt like, okay, I'm like learning about samurai culture as opposed to just watching people get their heads cut off and stuff. Yeah. They didn't feel like silhouettes, you know, I was, you know, grew up on Tarantino and stuff like that. So I've seen tons of depictions of samurais and, you know, that culture in ways that seem to be more concerned with just like, the form and the idea of what a samurai is. So it was really great to sort of see how they were struggling to eat and how they, you know, how they're struggling to sort of keep their family units together. And just these, like these details are just like so rich and highly enjoyed it. And I highly recommend it. I'll check it out. Yeah. Is it a bit like the Mandalorian and how their culture fell apart (laughs) and now they're all searching for their own? Very much so. Um, Oh, and then lastly, I think there's something I've watched that just made me laugh a lot that I feel like I should mention. There's two comedy shows that premiered over the past couple of weeks. One is on Comedy Central. It's called Digman with Andy Samberg. And there's another one called, it's on Adult Swim. It's called Royal Crackers. And so Digman is making fun of, uh, like, archaeology stuff. Like, it's, like, making fun of Indiana Jones. Like, it's a send-up of that. Like, his character's, like, his name is Rick Digman. Digman, a pun. (laughs) Ha-ha, he digs. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So it's, like, it's making fun of that. It's, like, sort of kind of broad. Um, I think it's pretty funny. I think Andy Samberg definitely sells it with, like, really strange line readings. Um, and I'm also just uh, a biased Andy Samberg fan, so I, I tend to kind of enjoy it. But Royal Crackers was really interesting because while Digman feels like more broad, like more people, like everyone knows Indiana Jones. My mom knows Indiana Jones. And yeah. That's like a really popular thing. Uh, Royal Crackers is like, it's a family that owns a, cr- a failing cracker business. It's set in Bakersfield, California. One of the the characters is like an ex uh new metal bassist and like it's just it feels like it's making fun of something so specific that it feels like it, it shouldn't exist and it shouldn't work but somehow like just the combination of the animation and the voice acting it sort of it was working for me in a, a really nice way the second episode features one of the final performances from uh gilbert gottfried as oh, like boy yeah it's, it gets weird the tone on that episode got weird so i'm like oh shit like they're actually kind of like sending him off and doing a tribute to him but this is like absolutely ridiculous but i just appreciate when comedy shows are able to sort of tap in and make make fun of something very specific and i think royal crackers is doing that well because it's making fun of like new metal and the fact that like it's like a washed up new metal bassist who is bragging about opening for lint biscuit and papa roach and shit like that and it's like stuff like that is it, it makes me laugh and i appreciate it and so far there's been three episodes it's on HBO Max. Um, I, I give that a thumbs up because the first couple of episodes were just, it's just so batshit insane that I just, I walked away with a big smile on my face. Um, something that I just thought of that I will also help people to check out is, uh, are you familiar with Joe Kappa, the animator? No. 
Um, I'm waiting for him to get a show on Adult Swim. Um, he has okay. a series. <laughs> Actually, he's had he's had shorts appear on Adult Swim, but he has a series on YouTube called Ha Ha You Clowns. Uh, and they're very short, like two, three minute videos. Um, but they're very good. I would recommend just checking out all of his animations on his YouTube channel. Sweet. Okay. Um, I, I've definitely recognized the style a little bit. Um, yeah. He like introduces, so ha ha you clowns. It's just uh, a single dad and his three sons. And the three sons are very appreciative of their father. And uh, their, fa- their father is very appreciative of the three sons. And so there's just like this wholesomeness. Like there's a comedy in the love that they express for each other. Gotcha, and like yeah. the sincerity of the love that they express for each other. And there's also a comedy in just like the details that he chooses to animate. So... For example, uh, one of the sons tossing a remote to the other son and him like kind of fumbling it before catching it. <laughs> gotcha, or, yeah. um, you know, they're all eating popcorn and drinking soda. And then when they finish, they stack their bowl, their popcorn bowls and like throw the soda cans into the bowl. Like they yeah. do like a good job cleaning up. That's great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's just like, yeah, little subtle moments of humor that I don't know. I really love. So, yeah, check yeah. out Joe Kappa on YouTube. Yeah, I love stuff like that. And honestly, I feel like... I'm more likely to give a new animated show a chance as opposed to like new dramas. They tend to be shorter and they just tend to hit my sensibilities way more. Like I'm yeah, like I'm it's going to be a hard sell for me to get into stuff like Succession or like these yeah. bigger prestige dramas but I'm like this is a dumb like comedy from Titmouse animation. It's kind of wonky. It doesn't look that great, but it's it's making fun of something very specific and it's so dialed in on something like if it's too broad then you know you're in snl territory then you're you, like you can't make fun of everything like just make fun of yeah. something very specific and then you're gonna be able to sell me so i don't know I, it's i think it's worth a watch uh it's yeah it's the second episode is definitely like a weird like tonal change because it's all about gilbert Gottfried and kind of like that performance and honoring him but then once you get back to episode three you visit uh an old cracker factory that has um, has not been inspected in like 20 years officially and has been overrun by mutant chickens and it just gets ridiculous. It's a good time. I'm always down for some fucked up animation. Should we roll the dice? We gotta roll that dice. I got you my, yours? Yeah, I got it. Alright, I'll let you roll. Um, I don't have <laughs> the page up. I might need I have the link. page up. <laughs> um, okay, I guess I'll roll it and then you just tell me. Alright. I'm rolling blind. I like this. Some some stakes here. Gotta raise those stakes. It's three. Three? Playing God. <laughs> That's gonna be hard to find. Playing I guess God. it's science, kind of, right? Uh, Playing God. Well, I know there's one I know I definitely want to see that I've been looking to watch, but I don't know if you want to watch it. <laughs> what is it? Splice. <laughs> Splice. I don't know Splice. That's the Adrian Brody one where he like makes the <laughs> makes uh he makes an experiment and immediately falls in love with it. <laughs> splice. I don't think I've heard of this. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Science fiction horror. Yeah. Like makes. It's like you know that act that alien's actually kind of sexy. I think I should have sex with it. Guillermo del Toro was a producer. Oh, that means it's Vincenzo Natale. What else did this director do? He did In the Tall Grass. Nothing. A cipher. Q- oh, the director of Cube. 
Okay. Uh, questionable. <laughs> um, yeah, but if, if I'm thinking playing God, the first thing that honestly came to my mind was Bruce Almighty, but that's like just... Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Uh, something that came to my mind was The Fly, but I don't know if that's <laughs> necessarily playing God. Yeah. Because it's the, the, he's just trying to teleport, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like just, just a to complete teleport. accident. Yeah, yeah he's, just trying to, he's just trying to do something cool, not necessarily play God. Okay, movies. There's a movie called Playing God. I don't know what it's about. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like because I was <laughs> actually Connor. thinking about this because I was like, oh yeah, some like umbrella things. Like there's a lot of superhero movies that could probably qualify as a sci-fi movie just because so many superheroes are just geniuses and deal with technology. And I was thinking about like like the difference between like gangster movies and tough guy movies and like where <laughs> where do you kind of like draw the line? Um, but yeah, thinking about playing God, you're going to start dealing with science fiction, dealing with experiments, dealing with yeah, men testing the limits of what he Are can do. Are there movies of people tr- creating life? Frankenstein, I guess. Uh, Reanimator. <laughs> Did we watch Reanimator already? Uh, no, but it's solid. I've seen it. Um, uh, I feel like I watched it pretty recently. Um <laughs> 20 movies scientists who play god yeah that's what i'm looking at right <laughs> yeah yeah jurassic park yeah i don't I know. know yeah he brought, ba- he brought back the dinos honey i shrunk the kids i don't really think so actually we uh just had a studio session with blaze wave this past weekend and i put on jurassic park on mute in the background mm-hmm. and a good sign that a movie is like incredible is you can just watch it on mute and it's still just like just as effective or even more effective and just so many scenes and shots in that movie are just so perfect see i remember getting high and going to state <laughs> to see that movie and i remember just thinking that john williams was doing a lot of heavy lifting that like <laughs> i don't know that like that movie was just John Williams, <laughs> but I was also stoned, so it's probably not a fair assessment. That's interesting because I the last time I watched it was without any sound, so it was there was no <laughs> yeah. John Williams at all. It was just the shots, and I absolutely loved it. Okay, let me see. I'm trying to access ChatGPT to see if I can ask it to recommend some. ChatGPT, <laughs> AI ops. Let me see here. How do I log into ChatGPT? The Island of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, neither have I. I've heard it's terrible. I'd be down to watch it. <laughs> I'd be down to start there, but I feel like my choice is going to be Splice. <laughs> okay. I have a pretty good feeling. All right. I've heard, yeah, I learned Dr. Moreau. I hear it's terrible. Uh, I've already wa- I watched the behind the scenes documentary about that, but I have not seen the movie. Okay, here we go. I'm, I'm logging into OpenAI. ChatGPT is fucking... Have you used it at all? No. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, dude. It's okay, recommend me some movies where man plays God. I'll all say right, recommend f- me 10 movies. All right, folks. You're, 20 you're movies. New new territory with Vague Zone. The, the assist from the ChatGPT. Oh, The Matrix. I don't know about that. Ex Machina? Yeah. I was meaning to watch that for um, Man vs. Machine. I mentioned that a couple times, but yeah. Again, yeah. Man playing God in a sci-fi realm. Uh, Dracula's on here. I don't know why that is. Oh, because he can control his victims, I guess. 
That feels uh, like a the stretch. Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I don't think ChatGPT knows what it's doing here. The Truman Show is an interesting one because yeah, it is like yeah. they are God. Like it's sort of like yeah, they've created a world for one man. That is sort of like a playing God situation. Yeah, I could be into that. I'd be down to watch that. Yeah. I mean, I always am down to watch that movie. It's, I, I haven't seen it in forever. It. Um, I've seen it pretty frequently. Um, that was one that I would just let. If it, if, it, if, it was, if it was on HBO, I'd just let it play. Cause, cause I, I enjoyed living in that, that strange world. Uh, there's a movie called Transcendence from 2014. I don't know what this is. Sci-fi film, scientist consciousness is uploaded to computer, allowing him to, to gain godlike powers. Is that the Johnny Depp movie? I think so, yeah. I think that's uh, yeah, it is. Limitless thriller where a struggling writer gains access to a drug that enhances his mental abilities, giving him godlike powers. That is a breath See, I feel like... movie. It looks bad. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I like the idea of um, Truman Show because it's definitely like there is an ecosystem where you can sort of literally play and manipulate as opposed to one man. Kind They're of. controlling the weather and shit too. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the weather, um, the, the traffic. I'm, yeah, I'm down to talk about it. Um, All right. Yeah. Let's watch that. Cool. All right. This has been episode 121 of Vague Zone. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com with questions comments concerns or theme suggestions let us know what you're watching tweet at us at vague zone we're always down to watch something with a suggestion if it's animated right now i'll watch it you send it to me i'll watch it um yep catch us next time we're going to talk about the truman show Show. as we move on from wealth to man playing god but yeah this has been 121 i'm thomas and i'm daniel see you next time Thanks for listening. Thank you.